for more on uh, what is to be expected, especially going into special votes tomorrow, uh, we are joined now by uh, the IEC's uh, General Manager for Electoral Operations, Granville Abrams. Thanks so much for your time. Welcome to Update at Noon. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, uh, Sakina. So, a lot, of course, a lot of work has been done. It looks as though all systems are in place and all is ready to go, but that's just as an observer looking on. From the IEC's perspective, are, are we all thumbs up, all systems go? Sakina, you know, the simple answer is yes, but uh, just to simply say all systems go would really undervalue the contribution and the sacrifices that uh, a lot of our people have made um, over the last two or three months. Uh, as you know, that uh, we were quite optimistic that we were going to have a successful application to postpone the election, but then it dawned upon us that we had to have this election and uh, the time frames were very tight. For this election, the election timetable was 42 days. Now, it, just to put that in context, normally we have from the last registration weekend, we would have about 80, 81, 82 days uh, time to plan. Uh, and we've only had 42. And in that time, we had to see to a registration weekend. We had to do candidate nomination. And we also had to do training and recruitment of staff, get voting stations, etc. But I can safely say because of the sacrifices, it's all systems go. Mm. And, and of course, a lot of work that needed to be done, um, a lot of difficult work, as you say, in half the time, literally, that you would ordinarily have had to do this. Uh, but just in terms of uh, voter registration, because I asked people if they can send questions that they may have. And um, one of the questions coming through is about someone who went to register because they were initially from Cape Town, now in Joburg, and um, tried to register. But uh, this was in Olivedale in uh, Johannesburg so went it was done manually he was told to check online and it would seem as though his details have not been captured so what happens in an instance such as that Sakani uh, we've we've had a couple of uh, instances like that and um, specifically if the listener uh, could maybe attest to the fact if if at the time when his details were recorded if it was on a what we call a manual register, then that information would still have had to be captured. So there are some people whose names were not on the certified voters roll and therefore not on the inquiry, but we have, however, uh, been able to rescue them and they will be included on what we call a, a supplementary or a pre-approved uh, list which would supplement the voters' roll. So on the day, if they could go to the voting station where they applied, um, and um, hopefully, as I've said, if this is the case of this, listen, um, this listener, that person would then be allowed to, to vote there. Okay. Uh, Martin Kekana from Sansluit in Mokopane asks, Hi Sakina, as I sent you a, a poster, it says that voters must bring their own pen. How true is that? Well, they are, they are not absolutely required to. We encourage voters who uh, obviously want to practice, uh, have a safe practice at hand. We will have pens. Um, we won't ever have a sufficient pen for each and every voter to take home. Um, so the pens that we do have, we would recycle and sanitize after use. But we do encourage, where possible, if voters uh, want to bring their own pens, that they would indeed be allowed to do so. But mm. we will have pens. 
All right. So, uh, obviously, if you can bring your own pen, that just makes things a lot easier. Um, then, of course, and, and I think uh, what's coming through very clearly now, Granville, is how important voter education is because, again, uh, not only against the backdrop of a pandemic, but perhaps we take a lot for granted, is what I was uh, mentioning this morning with our uh, group executive for news, in terms of the amount of time we spent on voter registration. First-time voters, for example, uh, they have so many questions that so many of us take for granted. Do you believe that the IEC spent enough time actually doing voter education, especially for this election. Yeah. Before before I get to the IEC's role at Sakina, I think voter education is everybody's business. Uh, there's nothing stopping um, the public broadcaster, for example. There is nothing stopping uh, NGOs, um, religious institutions, etc. And if you go to other countries uh, on the continent, you find that this is, this is exactly what is happening, um, that everybody's... Uh, uh, who has a role to play within civil society also then plays a role in, uh, in voter education. But as far as the IEC is concerned, we have dedicated voter education programs starting long before election. We have it in three phases. The first phase is what we call democracy education, and this is what we do more in the quiet at times. And then the closer we get to the election, we then turn our focus and attention to what we call voter education which is basically going to be as to, uh, you know, what is this election all about? Uh, why are you going to vote? And what do you require to vote? And on the eve of an election, then the focus becomes uh, balloting education. Now, for the, for, the, for the balloting education, if I could work my way back, mm. um, this is now for the second, or the, the second, the third election, the second local government election, that we are actually giving the voter an opportunity to have a look at the ballot paper before the election. Previously, when we did voting or balloting education, we'll talk about the elephant party and the crocodile party because, you know, don't want to be party bias, you know, and, and maybe use examples where a party who's now contesting for the first time is not involved there. Mm. So what you can do now is go onto the IEC website, right on its landing page, it says know your ballot and it's got a little new sticker. And if you go to your ward, you can actually see your ballots as they would appear on voting day so that you can see the entire menu, you know, all the choices that are there. Then coming to voter education, we have existing programs where we go into schools with the Department of Education. We have an existing program there. And at the moment, um, up until this election now, we also had what we call democracy education uh, field workers where we go into communities where, based on our research, we find that uh, voter education is much more needed than, than other areas and where you don't necessarily have the access on the other platforms which we're also actively on, such as Twitter, Facebook, um, etc. So we are active, but I think much more can be done. Mm. And collectively as a collective that's yeah. correct I, I, and I think this is what we were also deliberating on uh, as the SABC perhaps uh, a bit of a blind spot on our side we could have perhaps done a little bit more on voter education per se and um, love our listeners you know um, Michael says uh, the candidates on uh, the those ballots that you are making mention of the sample ballots uh, he says uh, duplicate candidates uh, appearing for more than one party on some of these can we can we have some clarity on that yeah um first of all there's nothing in the legislation that prevents a candidate 
um, from standing for more than uh, one party. Now, I'm not saying that the legislation allows for it. I'm saying there's nothing at prov- So, uh, I don't know if one should call this uh, spread betting, uh, but you, you find that there are instances where a, 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 a candidate may be appearing as an independent and then also in that exact same ward or in a different ward being on the ballot for a party or on the PR list. Um, what we do in legislation is that we do provide an opportunity for political parties and the candidates to respond. So they would be fully aware of it and if a party wanted to remove and replace the candidate, they would have. So what you see on the ballot now is after uh, the parties and the candidates have been made aware of it. So, so these sample ballots are actually what will appear? That is correct. These are the ballots. So this one candidate that uh, Michael Atkins has picked up on, who's appearing on the list of several parties, is actually correct. That is correct. Um, sadly for that uh, that candidate, however, is that you won't be able to uh, accumulate those votes and have them counted together. Each one will go according to the individual, individual choices that has been made on the ballot. Wow, that's that, that's very interesting. And, and, and then, of course, uh, just a few other questions also coming through uh, with regard to identification on the day. What is acceptable because people want to know can I come with my driver's license or does it have to be a an ID card or a green ID book? There are, Sakina, there are three uh, pieces of documentation that are acceptable. First and foremost there is the smart, smart card ID and then uh, we have the old uh, bar, green barcoded ID book. Now, if you have lost your documentation, uh, either the ID book or the card, on the day, uh, the Department of Home Affairs um, offices will be open specifically just for the issue of what we call temporary ID identity um, certif- certificates. Mm. And this would also be acceptable on the, on the day. But it needs to be valid, so which means that it must be within the time frame. No driver's license, no passports. Absolutely not. All right, that's clear. Uh, the role of party agents uh, for special votes on the 30th and the 31st is what Noel Crowey wants to know. The uh, party agents are entitled to uh, the same way in which they uh, observe the processes in a voting station. In that exact same way for home visits, party agents are, are also allowed to, the, uh, to observe the process. We will however take into consideration the limitations uh, that we have as far as space is concerned. So uh, we have uh, advised uh, parties that we would ask them to rotate. So at the very uh, minimum, we at least have, um, in cases, uh, one agent um, representing all the parties on a rotation basis. I tell you, so many questions coming through. Um, this one says uh, from LP, um, I don't want to be sent back, so you said a pen, an ID, what else? Well, most importantly, a mask. Um, a mask and your ID are probably the two most important. Anything else, we can, we can, we can, we can make a plan. Okay. And then, uh, Bramoro, and I know Lungile is breathing uh, you know, in my neck here to move on, but there are so many questions coming through. Uh, Bramoro says, where would a prisoner from the free state vote if he has been transferred to a facility in Gauteng? Um, 
would he be able to vote in Gauteng? And also, would anyone admitted at hospital from today until Sunday be allowed to vote at the hospital, as in a special vote? Um, how will it work? Uh, prisoners are uh, excluded in terms of legislation, not because of the fact that they are prisoners, but the requirement for local government elections is that you, you can only register uh, to vote and therefore vote where you are registered in the place where you are ordinarily resident and the place of incarceration is not regarded as your ordinary residence. So in that way a, a, a prisoner is, we won't be visiting prisoners uh, for, for, for voting. Uh, I didn't get the second part. About hospitals. Oh, Someone hospital. who's hospitalized, say, from today. Unfortunately not. We had a specific period within the electoral time frame, uh, electoral timetable, that you could have applied for a home visit. If you applied, if you were in hospital and applied during that time frame, then we would have visited you in hospital. But the, that, uh, that opportunity has closed. I tell you what, we have to leave it there. But SABC News will cover these elections too for you, wall to wall, and uh, we'll be going 24 hours uh, as of election day. So we'll try and bring as much of this information as we can. And if you have more questions, send them. We'll pass them on to some of our colleagues who can perhaps answer them. We have to take a quick break, but thank you so much to IEC's General Manager for Electoral Operations, Granville Abrams.